0: Really grateful for all of you here today. We, uh, we started a brand new series last week, so welcome to part two of our series. And I'd like you to get your notes out, get your pens out, get something to write with, get your Bibles out. We're going to go to the book of James chapter one, James chapter one. But we started this series with the idea of don't test me, don't test me. And typically that's what we say to other people when we don't want them to push us to our limits. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? You ever said that to somebody, look them straight in the eye and be like, don't you, te- don't you test me. Unfortunately, we have taken that same mentality and turned that to God and said the same thing to him. Don't you test me. Don't, don't you test me. And we have failed to realize that there are some benefits and lessons in life that you cannot achieve any other way except for a test think about people you don't like don't look around (laughs) most of the people you don't like have usually walked through something you don't understand and they didn't pass the test and they've grown bitter and they've grown cold And James, the half-brother of Jesus, comes along, and he's writing to the Jews who are scattered abroad because of persecution. We worship here freely, and we thank God for the 4th of July. We get to worship the Lord freely. Come on, I think we ought to clap our hands for that freedom today. Well, in this time, when this particular book is being written, that was not the case. There was no independence. There was no freedom of worship. There was such persecution. People were dying and and being, and being enslaved and thrown in arenas with lambskin on their back and being torn apart by sport because of their faith in Jesus Christ. He's writing to them, and they're thinking that maybe James is gonna tell us we can come home. Maybe he's gonna tell us, like, you know, the coast is clear and, and the persecution's gone. And they open up the email, and this is what James says: Count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you go through all types of hell on earth, like whenever you face trials of many kinds, verse 3 says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It produces something. It produces something. It produces something. Would you just please let the producer produce? God's trying to produce something in you that you don't currently possess. It's perseverance, endurance. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work. Don't just start it. Anybody can start something. Don't just start it. Finish it. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. How many want to be mature? And complete. How many want to be complete? How many would like to lack nothing spiritually? Like we know that God's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. It's at our disposal. But a lot of us don't possess and walk in everything that God's given us. He says, if you want to be mature and you want to be complete and you want to get to the place where you're not lacking anything, there's going to be some tests that come your way. How can we expect promotion if we reject God's curriculum? You're going to have to be a little bit louder today because I'm getting ready to preach. Many of us, we want what God says is ours, and yet we don't want to go through anything to get it. It's by His grace that He's even uh, allowed us to get to this place and to possess what He gives us. But there's some character things inside of us that God wants to work out. Everybody doesn't get to their destiny. That's a scary thought. There are some people that live and will die and never reach their potential. Never reach their, 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 their full potential, their God-given destiny. As a church, we are trying to make a commitment to you that we want to help make sure that you get there. Can I hear a good amen? And I want you to see, the whole idea of this series is so that you can see tests as an opportunity for growth. That you see tests, not something to avoid, but to to welcome to say, God, how can I grow from this? Maybe you've said this as a child, or maybe you've heard another child say this. They say this, I don't ever want to grow up. I don't want to grow up. I wonder, does anybody remember when kid life was easy? And your hardest decision was Captain Crunch or Fruit Loops. Remember when that was like the hardest decision of your day? Like anybody remember hating nap time like you just hated it? And now you would gladly pay to just get a little power cat nap. Am I talking to anybody in the room? But God wants you to grow. You are never meant to stay at one level. You weren't supposed to stay in elementary school. You're not supposed to just stay in preschool and have your hardest decisions, what cereal you want to chew on for the moment. God is trying to get you to grow, to mature, to be complete, to get to the place where you don't lack anything. But you don't just get there overnight. God wants to develop endurance. And so I want to talk about endurance, and I want to talk about refreshment. Endurance and refreshment. Endurance and refreshment. Today, our sermon title is simply this. You could probably finish it out loud. No pain, no gain. Say it one more time. No pain, no gain. One more time. No pain. Don't you hate it when pa- pastors and preachers trick you one more time and then they say it one more time after that? No pain. No gain. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your grace. We are overwhelmed with how much you love us. In spite of all that we are and in spite of all that we have done, your grace, your mercy, and your unmerited favor and love are still waiting for us. God, I pray for everybody who's going through something that you'd open up their heart today to hear what you want to say to them. I pray that anything I say that's not from you would be quickly forgotten, but everything that is from you would go deep into our soul and change the very fiber of who we are. We love you. In Jesus' name, somebody shout a good amen. amen. Have you ever been to the gym before? Some of you are like, nope, never been. Just drive right on by to Krispy Kreme. Praise the Lord. The gym is not the most welcoming environment. And I think a lot of us would agree if we go back and remember the first couple days that we actually ventured off in going to the gym. And I put it off for a while. I never really wanted to go because in my mind I was like, hey, there's going to be a lot of thick people there and they're just going to look at me funny. But I went and, and now that I have gone, I now bench press about 350. I know, it's, like, it's amazing. I bench press about 350 and then I'm gone by four. Hey, just kidding. It's a joke. And <laughs> some of you get that on the way home. <laughs> and um, I never forget, like, you know, when you first go into a gym, it's a little intimidating because you're not sure where to go. There's all these, everything, everybody's doing, there's so many moving parts. You're walking in and not really sure even what to wear. Like, what's the proper attire that we're supposed to wear at the gym? And when you get in there, you see what everybody else is wearing, you're like, well, maybe Levi's in a flannel wasn't the best choice today. Walk in looking like a cattleman's commercial. But you walk in there and there's like these, all these machines, these four machines look like medieval torture devices. And there's people lifting over here and pulling over here. And then there's that one weight room, that free weight room that you just avoid for a few weeks. You know what I'm talking about? How many have ever seen that weight room? It's like the one weight room where you walk in, it's super intimidating because there's people grunting in there and, and barking and meowing and hitting themselves and looking in the mirror and they're wearing stuff that you're like, I don't even think they have anything on. Like, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You just walk straight on that, like for the few, first few weeks, you just walk straight on past that to Pilates class. Come on, somebody. Love Pilates class. Matter of fact, let me rephrase that. I just love laying down on a mat. That's called a nap. But it's in class, so it counts as workout. Bam, there you go. How many calories do we burn today? Not many, but it felt really good. And and then finally, if you ever get the nerve to walk into that free weight room, you walk in there and you... you you don't want anybody to know that you don't know what you're doing. So you first walk up to, like, the dumbbells. You're kind of checking everything out, scoping it out, and people, Rawr! Rawr! I mean, they're just, it's all going on. Anything goes in that weight room. It's a, it's a, it's a zoo. And, and then you finally kind of walk up to, like, the lightest dumbbell, and you start kind of lifting it. It's like 10 pounds because you don't want people to think that you're not doing anything, and, and your head's bobbing to the music, which, you know, I don't know why the gym, <laughs> gyms always have, like, the coolest playlists, to really pump you up like, you know, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You? <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? It's almost like they sit around a table and ask the question, dude, what, what kind of song should we play to pump our clients up? And the guy's like, I know, I got it. Lionel Richie, hello. Is it me? I look- no, it's not you. I'm trying to get pumped. But you finally walk in, you finally walk in to that free weight room, and it's like walking into a wall of sweat. It's just a humidity level that's not anywhere else in that entire facility. You walk in, you walk in, it's like, hey, 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 and you walk in. It's a nasty smell, It's it's a different environment, the testosterone is way off the charts in that room. And you're there, and while you're there in that room, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you have a few options. You can do your buys and tries, you can do your chest, you can do back, and I remember the very first day I ever did leg day. Oh, leg day. How many love leg day? Shut up, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget, it. I walked up to the leg press machine, and it's the decline, so you're like kind of facing down, and there's this lady who is in beast mode, man. She was there, she's on the machine, she's lifting eight 45 plates, like this one. Eight forty-five. these are 45 pounds a piece. She had eight of them on there. So I walk up to her and I'm like, hey, how many more sets you got? Which if you don't go to the gym, that's gym lingo for, excuse me, ma'am. Um, about how much longer will you be on this machine? She was like, I got one more set. And I was, I said, okay, 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 cool, 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 cool. I'm just going to wait over here. So I waited. She finished her set and then I jumped on. And she did, she did 845 plates. I'm like, well, if she did it, I could do it too. So I sit down on this leg machine, first time ever doing legs day ever, ever. And I sit down. I'm like, this is all right. This is cool. I got Lionel Richie in the background. And I start pushing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, looking like a fire marshal Bill. <laughs> you know, nothing's coming out. I'm not moving this thing at all. I'm coming to the side, like, come on, dang it. No movement. I get up, I start taking plates off, and she sees me and starts laughing. (laughs) And then all the other guys around start laughing. And this is what I said. I said to them, I said, hey, sometimes you just got to stay in your lane. (laughs) You can't expect to uh, to lift that kind of weight on your first day. Turn and tell somebody you got to build up to that. Come on, tell the other person you got to build up to that. If you want to get stronger, if you want to go to another level, it's going to take some time to build some muscle that you now can lift what is in front of you. You can't just lift something heavy on the very first day. You have to build up to it. And can I also add while we're on this subject, don't worry about what other people are thinking when you're trying to work out. A lot of people stay home. They won't even go to the gym because they're like, everybody's going to be looking at me. Ain't nobody trying to look at you. Just start. If you can't lift 50-pound dumbbells, lift 25s. If you can't lift 25s, lift 10. If you can't lift 10, lift a Gatorade bottle. Just do something. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. But you'll never lift 10 if you can't lift a Gatorade bottle. You'll never lift 25 if you can't lift 10. You'll never lift 50 if you can't lift 25. You have to start somewhere. Amen, everybody. So we start somewhere. You start to develop something. How many of you would actually join a gym if you only had to go one time, one time, and you'd be fit for life? Anybody join that gym? Come on, I'll sign up today. We're taking sign-ups in the lobby right now. We all admire the idea of being in shape. And in, in, in like a spiritual setting, we all want to be mature. We all want to be complete. We want to lack nothing, just like the Bible says. But too many times we treat it almost like a New Year's resolution where we're like, I, I, I want maturity, I want change, and we expect it to just happen because we think it's a novel idea and we said it out loud with no, no plan, no forethought of a plan or a process to develop the character necessary for that type of change. And, and God has an amazing plan for your life. He does. That's unquestionable. He has a plan for your life, but that just... Just because he has a plan does not mean that you're ready for it now. Let me say it another way. Just because you have a membership to the gym does not mean you're in shape. Come on, how many have a gym membership on your keychain right now? Haven't been there since 1983. You belong to a gym? Yep. Do you go? No. Just because God has a plan for us. But it doesn't mean that we're ready for it just because we go to church. Just because we have a membership i'm trying to get you to see the value of this god knows that the only way he can prepare you is by getting you through some stuff to build some muscle so you can handle what he's giving you can i hear a good amen count it all joy my brothers and sisters Count it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, knowing something, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing something. It's producing perseverance. It's producing endurance. Let it have its perfect work so that you can be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. But God wants this for your life. Now, there's a few reasons we don't go to the gym. I'm going to give them to you, and then let me see. Let's play a game, okay? See if you can make the same correlation, the same connection to the analogy of trials and our life, where God wants to go. Number one, write this down. We don't go to the gym because it's too much work. It's too hard. It's just way too hard. I, I don't want to go. It's, it seems like it's too hard. It's going to take a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy. And then our mind starts to, like, go all the way down the road. We start thinking about every workout of every day and, and all, all the weights, and we get overwhelmed. It's too hard for me. I'm not going to start because I feel like that is too hard. Write this down. <clears throat> we're too comfortable. We don't go because we're too comfortable. I want to stay in my lazy boy. I want to be comfortable in life. Most of what we do is we're seeking out how to be comfortable. My, my, my wife and I and the girls uh, on vacation a couple weeks ago, we go to this movie theater and we watch a movie. And I didn't know it, but it was a luxury theater oh, I'm messed up. I can never go to another theater again. I pressed an electronic button. It was like, mm, laid all the way back. This is pretty awesome. I think I'm just going to preach in a chair from now on. This is great. So the Bible says, <laughs> I ordered chocolate souffles. I mean, it was amazing. We do some crazy things in America for comfort, don't we? Therapeutic mattresses and 17-inch foam on top of our mattress, our, our car. We don't buy a car. It's just because it's, it's not comfortable. You are driving at 75 miles an hour. I'm in a plane. This is uncomfortable. You're 30,000 feet in the air in a chair, and you're complaining. I don't want to leave this to go to some stinky gym and suffer pain. I don't, I'm too comfortable over there. I'd, why would I subject myself to pain when I really what I want is comfort? I don't want change that much, and we complain about comfort a lot. It's too hot. It's too cold. These chairs are too hard, too soft. Like we're we're like Goldilocks. We're like this one's too hard. This one's too soft. This one's just right. I don't want to stay right here. We do that every single day. We make judgments, and who wants to be sore after a workout? You're so sore the next day so sore. Like, you're sore in areas that you didn't even know you had muscle. <clears throat> they say this a lot. Don't skip leg day. Don't skip leg day. Shh, skip it. Take it from me. Don't ever work out your legs. <laughs> it's not worth it. Remember my first day of leg day I told you about? That was on a Friday. Two days later is when you start to feel the soreness. That was a Sunday. I couldn't even get up on stage to preach. My legs hurt so Bad. I felt like RoboCop, like, it hurt so bad. I couldn't even, I'm a pacer. I walk up and down the stage. Not that day. I was like, listen, God loves you. I'm going to stay right here. (laughs) It hurt. How how many have ever done legs before? Come on, raise your hand. Ever done leg day before? That's a lot of you. Have you ever been so sore that you can't even sit on the toilet? (laughs) Hashtag real talk. Like, you have to go to, and you're sitting, you're like, ah, yeah, ah. You're like, forget it. I'm just going to hold it for a week. This is ridiculous. Who wants that in life? We don't want to be sore. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We all have a comfort zone, and we want to stay in it. But then we have problematic verses, like Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 comes along. And, and begins to encourage us of what is necessary for change. So we don't want to go to the gym because it's too hard, we're too comfortable, and then write this down, we get too scared. We get too scared. Change is scary. A lot of us don't like change. The problem is we desire growth, and yet we, we reject what brings growth. There's no growth without resistance. As a matter of fact, that's what working out actually is. It's just resistance. And James comes along and says, hey, the tests, the trials, the working out, the stretching, it's actually going to be okay. You're going to be okay with the resistance because it's actually producing something inside of you that you can now possess what God has for you. And if you don't submit to the process, you will never get to where God is taking you. He wants to develop Some muscle inside of your life. We live in such a Kodak generation where we have been overexposed and underdeveloped. How many of us would say, My relationship is not where it ought to be? Yeah, there's a lot of us that would say that, but don't just accept it and concede. Let's step out of our comfort zone, get off of the lazy boy, get off of the couch, and say, God, develop me to be the man of God, to be the woman of God that you've called me to be. Come on, is there anybody in the room that that's your prayer? I don't want to stay in my comfort zone. I want to be developed. I don't want to stay where it's comfortable. I want God to do his work in me so I can be mature. And many of us, we live a life of comfortability and we fight the test. We're constantly fighting, fighting, fighting the test instead of embracing the test and learning from the test. I'm just trying to get you to see the benefit of a test every once in a while. Churchill put it this way. You either see the problem in the opportunity or you see the opportunity in every problem. Which one are you? Are we always so cynical and negative where we always see the problem? There's opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's going to rain today. I mean, are, are we looking for opportunity? God has an opportunity. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 says, we also glory in tribulations. Yeah, I didn't think we were going to get an amen on that one. <laughs> You're like, no, we don't, Sean. What are you talking about? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. We glory in tribulations, like we are excited about them. We thank God for tribulation. That's, foreign, that's a foreign concept to us. Nobody's like, hey, I had a week of hell today up top. <laughs> Fist bump, this has been a week that I'll never forget because it's so difficult. No, we, we don't want that. We don't even say that. We don't welcome tests. But Paul is giving us a key here. He says we glory in tribulations. Why? Same as James 1, knowing that. Knowing that tribulations produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Say develop. Come on, say develop. You don't just have strong muscles. You develop them. You don't just have strong giftings. You develop them. You don't just have an ability to relate to people and be able to reach people. You develop that. God wants to develop you. Don't fight his development. My wife and uh, myself went up three years ago to a a camp called J.H. Ranch. And then last week, I took my daughter as a daddy-daughter camp. It's amazing. Great time to bond. And, And it's a week, and there's about 600 acres. And on the way up, I saw all these signs that are against the ranch we were about to go to. They're trying to expand a little bit and make some bathroom changes, make the bathrooms nicer. And they're not trying to build out all the woods, but they just want to do some things. And there's these signs from the neighbors that says, stop J.H. Ranch expansion. Stop J.H. Ranch expansion. I mean, one guy was serious. He made a six-foot sign and put lights on it himself. And I thought, this ranch is saving marriages. It's saving relationships with kids. It's doing so much good for so many people. And yet they want to stop any expansion. And I started to think, many times we're trying to stop the expansion of God in our life. He wants to develop you. He wants to grow you. And we're like, nope, not today. That's a little too uncomfortable. Construction zones are always uncomfortable. They're they're never, you don't walk into a construction zone like, hey, I want to take a nap here. This looks really cozy. They got to have the hard hat. There's, you can't see sometimes. There's nail guns going off and people hammering stuff and it's loud, but the end product is amazing. I used to walk in here every day when this place was going up and I was like, man, this place is a mess. But thank God Almighty, we went through the process of development and now have an amazing church where thousands of people can hear and come to hear the love of Jesus Christ. Is this making sense? He wants to develop you, but it's not just so you can sprint. It's for the long-distance race. He wants to develop you, but it's not just so that you can look good. My wife had a friend in college. I never met her, but she said she, said she had a friend that she was a bodybuilder, and she had an amazing physique she was in a competition, bodybuilder. And she would win competitions, really muscular, really strong, and yet she would get winded going up a flight of stairs. Looked really good, but had no endurance. God is not satisfied with you just looking good on the outside but not possessing what's necessary for you to possess his promises. He wants you to be developed. He wants you to have endurance. He wants you to have perseverance to the point where you have continued effort to achieve something despite any obstacle, despite the hardship and the failure and the opposition where you get something deep down in your spirit that says I'm not giving up I'm not giving in, I'm not compromising, no, we are not going to quit, we need to have you strong enough in Jesus Christ so you can actually finish the race that you started come on, is there anybody that believes that today? Endurance perseverance And according to Romans chapter 5, evidently, if we want hope, we need character. And if we want character, we need perseverance. And the only way to get perseverance is through passing tests that come into your life. Here's the problem. We don't like to say this, but God cares more about your character than he does your comfort. Some of us are like, God, God, he's just going to fluff our pillow and tuck us in every is are you okay are you comfortable are you you good are you good are you good sometimes God's not asking that question he says I won't leave you I won't forsake you I'll be here the entire time but you're gonna have to lift some stuff you're gonna have to persevere through some stuff and this is not about salvation salvation is absolutely free all right don't get it twisted you don't work for salvation you're not lifting for salvation Jesus did all the lifting so we can benefit amen everybody But there's some character stuff in us that we will only learn through tests. You're going to experience some difficulties that can help you grow. And don't view tests as a setback. View tests as a setup. There's a television show called America Ninja Warrior. Anybody ever seen that show? It's, It's a series of obstacle courses where guys and girls will go through to test their agility. And one guy came to this wall. I don't know what they call it, but it's a big wall. And he was tired already, and he he has done this before, but this particular time, he couldn't reach the wall. He's a couple feet out, and he began to run, jump up there, and slide down. It's kind of a wall that slopes like that. He jumped again three, four times, and he didn't make it. And actually, he lost his time, and he failed. The next guy got on the course, came to the exact same position, And instead of jumping right beneath the wall, he actually went backwards for a minute. And as he's he's going backwards, he's now gaining momentum. He's now gaining momentum so he could run faster and harder and jump higher than he could have if he just stood at the base of the wall. For some of you, you've been very frustrated because you're trying to jump over your problem and it's too high. And what you see as a setback is really God setting you up with some momentum so you could run faster and jump higher than you could have if there were no preparation. I'm telling you, God is big into preparation. I'm, I'm trying to get you to realize the benefit of the test, that development is not just there for you to talk about. Like we don't just preach about development. We get developed. We don't want to just see buildings develop other places. We wanted our own. We don't just talk about it. There's some people at the gym and they have opportunities for growth all around them. And yet, instead of jumping on a growth machine, they simply just talk the entire time. Have you ever seen these people? Don't do that. Can I encourage you? Don't just talk about it, be about it. You wanna grow? You wanna mature? Don't just talk about it. Be about, do something about it. Like people who are in marathon race, anybody ever run a marathon? Marathon runners? Awesome. There's a couple of us. How many think it would be cool if as a church we prepared to run a marathon sometime? Okay. How many just want to go to Krispy Kreme? <laughs> it's okay. I'll preach for a response. It's good. What? <laughs> 22, 26.2 miles. Am I right on that? 22. 26 miles, something like that. Um, I could do that in my Honda. We have, listen, we have, we have people that run endurance races. And the only way you can get endurance, like you need endurance to finish a marathon. Would we all agree on that? The only way you get endurance is by running more. You can't get it any other way. You can't do it by thinking about it. Hmm, let's just think about the race. You have to run more. God is calling you to run more, to lift more, not for salvation, but for development. And the trainer once told me, he said, Sean, I want you to do this exercise and I want you to do it until you fail. Push-ups until failure, push-ups until failure. And so I didn't, it wasn't that I failed, it was that I pushed myself to the limit. So I did push-ups until I just couldn't do any more and then finally fell to the ground. I didn't fail, I was stretching myself. And I was, I was developing my muscles so that I could actually go further the next time. There are some things in life where God is preparing you for something that you're not ready for right now. And in order to get ready, he's going to stretch you to take you to the limit so you can be able to handle what he's going to give you later. I'm telling you, the weight that was a struggle for me three years ago is now my warm-up set the things that used to be a struggle for you are going to get easier in life because you're developing perseverance and endurance and pretty soon you're lifting weight like man, three years ago, this would have crushed us. Three years ago, our marriage would never have survived this. 10 years ago, I'd have been strung out on drugs but this is no thing now because God is with us, he has matured us, he's developing us and I'm not where I used to be. Come on, thank God today for development. He's developing you, he's strengthening you. On the inside. And the only way you could do that is to walk through a test. Somebody say, develop me. Let me bring this up, that normally when you work out, there's a test, there's a workout, there's a set you do, and then a rest. There's a set and a rest. Set and a rest. Normally it's about 45 seconds in between sets. Because what you're doing is you're giving your muscles just a little bit of time to recoup. And so you rest there for a second, you're looking at your watch, you're looking around at some other people, making funny faces, and then you do another set. So it's set, rest, set, rest, set, rest. Then a trainer told me a long time ago about something called a superset. I said, what's well, a superset?" This is where you actually do two or three things back to back to back. So where it's not test and rest, test and rest, it's test, test, test. No rest in between. There's something about the no resting part that does something to your muscles. It actually helps your muscles get tired faster and and pretty soon your muscles start to work harder and and you are able to develop more muscle quicker. It's not comfortable, but if you want some strong results faster, there's going to be a superset. There are some seasons in life where it feels like test and rest. You get a test, and then there's a rest. But for some of you, God is allowing you to superset. I wonder, is there anybody in the room that knows what I'm talking about? To have a test, 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 and you're wondering why is God allowing this to take place? Could it be that our God in heaven loves you enough that he wants to get you ready faster for something that you are not prepared for currently. And he's willing to let you go through some stuff to develop you, to get you stronger, faster. Come on. I always think it's funny. People pay trainers a lot of money because they want to see results. And then they spend the entirety of their workout complaining to their trainer saying, I don't, I don't think I can do this. It's too heavy. It's too hard. I can't do this. How do you expect to get there if you won't embrace the process here? There is a process that we walk through. He's he's kind of chiseling out the anger and and the arrogance. He's chiseling out the pride. He's working all that out so you can be secure, mature, complete, and lacking nothing. Here's another thought. When I first started working out, I didn't bring a water bottle with me. And so I was in the sauna one day. It's really quiet in the sauna, usually. And um, this guy leaned over. He, it is quiet. I don't know this guy. He turns around and he's like, where's your water? I'm like, do I, do I know you? Excuse me? Dude, where's your water? He's like, well, I'm going to drink after. And then it all made sense. His abruptness brought some comfort and, and light to the situation because he said this, out of 30 years as an EMT, he said this, I realized that most people that come in here are already dehydrated before they step in. So I started bringing a water bottle to the gym with me. But here's what I realized. Because I hadn't yet developed the habit of bringing the water bottle with me, I would take it to my first station and I would work out. And after I work out, i go to the next workout station, but I would leave my water bottle behind. I would go from one test to, to another to another without any refreshment there are some of us in the room that knows what it feels like that that God ha- wants to develop you but you've not yet developed the habit of taking your refreshment with you the refreshment of God the refreshment and you go from one test to another to another listen to me ladies and gentlemen I'm here to tell you the test is not the problem a lack of refreshment is you can make it through whatever test God puts your way. But you won't be able to make it if there's no refreshment. Some of us feel so dehydrated, so dry spiritually. I'm here to tell you God is our refreshment. No wonder the psalmist wrote, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you, God. My soul longs for you in a thirsty and dry place. When can I meet with the living God again? No wonder David came along after being chased by King Saul and his life being threatened. And in the valleys, he wrote Psalm 23 that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down sometimes and rest beside still quiet waters. And how many are thankful our God knows how to restore our soul? Jesus comes on a lady at a well in John chapter 4 and says, Listen to me. I know that you're thirsty. I have some living water. And if you drink this living water, you will never be thirsty again. Jesus has the living water. He has the refreshment. Here's the guarantee. Tests will come. You're like, Sean, that doesn't sound very positive. Can you preach a more positive message? All right, I'm positive. Tests are going to come. They will come. And when they come, You better keep your source of refreshment close by. Because listen to me, everybody. A test with refreshment can strengthen you. But a test without refreshment will kill you. God is our refreshment. Keep him close. And it won't matter what test you walk through. He will be there to refresh your soul. Come on, does anybody believe that today? Let me give you a few points. Number one, write this down. Only Jesus can refresh and satisfy. It's only Jesus. Only Jesus can refresh and satisfy. Jeremiah chapter 31 puts it this way. I will refresh the weary and I'll satisfy the faint. He wants to refresh you today. He longs for that. It's interesting because you think about people that try to find refreshment in other places. You won't find it. It, it doesn't come, refreshment won't come in any amount of money, a bigger house, bigger car, that relationship, nothing else can satisfy permanently. Drugs, alcohol, it, popularity, it won't work. You can try it if you want to. I'm not going to stop you. But I guarantee you, you'll come back and say one day, it was empty. Because nothing else can permanently satisfy. Nothing else can refresh. It's like, think about the hottest day you've ever had. Think about a couple of weeks ago at Antioch when it was 100 and ridiculous outside. On those hot days where you're so thirsty, if I came up to you and you're like, I'm just so thirsty, and I said, hey, want some warm milk? How about some lukewarm cottage cheese? No. In that moment, not even soda. Sorry, Sprite. It's not the thirst quencher. Your body's craving water. There's only one thing that can satisfy and refresh you at that moment. That's water. Well, what satisfies and refreshes you with God? What are the, what are, what are the taps? What's on tap? I'm telling you, prayer. To Spend time just talking to God. Reading the Bible, because the God, God speaks to you through his word. Small groups, where you're listening to other people, you're loving people, you're serving people. And then also a big one is worship, where you begin to magnify God over your problems. You begin to just sing out a song. And I encourage you in worship here, it's cool to just kind of hang out and watch for a while. I want to encourage you, take the next step. If you've never sung out, try singing. If you've never lifted a hand, try half mass at first. And then field goal. Why do we do that? Because it's a universal sign of surrender. We have no, it's, oh, it's, here's what, here's the thing. What we do here is weird, but it's not weird in any other setting. I say it's weird because people think it might be weird. But you go to a football game, a basketball game, somebody makes, they put a ball in a rim. And people are like, oh, my, oh, my gosh. High five, stranger. What? Place is going nuts. Jump. That's, and that's not weird. And yet here we are. Serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God who knows your name, who loves you to the depths and has forgiven you from every solitary sin. And we can't lift a song, lift a hand every once in a while and say, God, thank you for saving my life and turning my whole situation around. It's perspective. It's just perspective. Now, I love, the, I love basketball and football and all that stuff, too. But you'll never see me in church just looking at you like. Number two. God's training you, so how about we just try being trainable? He's training you, just be trainable. I wonder how many trainers are frustrated because the people they're training refuse to be trained. 2 Timothy says, all Scripture is God-breathed in the Bible and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. No pain, no gain. Mm, It's not always comfortable, though. It's not always comfortable, but if you want results, let him finish his work. How many more sets you got? I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. Sometimes at the gym when you say that to people, hey, how many more sets you got? You can tell. You can kind of tell. They weren't done, but because you asked them, they're like, oh, I'm done. I'll take that as a sign. You're like, man, you know you had more sets. There's going to be a lot of things in life that's trying to vibe for your attention to get you to stop. I'm just telling you, Stay put. Stay put in the test because God's working something out in you. And if you don't pass the first test, let me tell you, you will have to repeat it over again. It's interesting because when you talk to some guys and girls who work out a lot, they always say, I saw a shirt that says, I'm all about those gains. Like, what does that mean? It's gaining muscle. Here's what it is. When you, when you actually are in a place where you're working out, here's what working out is. You're tearing your muscle letting it heal, and then you tear it again. And then when we tear it, we pour protein in there. We drink protein shakes, and we're drinking all this stuff, and we're eating more chicken. (laughs) All of this that's going on, to feed in to the muscle when it's vulnerable. Let me ask you a question. What are you feeding yourself when you're vulnerable? Let me ask you another question. For some of you, you have gone through a tearing, but you've not allowed the Lord to heal you. So you're in a constant state of soreness. Can I just recommend, let God heal you today. Invite him, God, heal my life, heal my heart, heal my past. I'm yours, and I promise you, Philippians 1, 6, he's faithful to complete what he begins. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He wants to finish it. Number three, write this down. You need a spotter. You need a spotter. I'm using analogies. Jesus used a lot of analogies, word pictures, things in life to point to spiritual truths. But can I tell you, you can do more with a partner than you by yourself. Some of you, if your partner didn't call you to go to the gym, you're like, I'm just not going. Well, Ecclesiastes 4.9, this is a great principle. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. I was literally in a spot one time. This is early on when I first started working out. And I had this bar, and I was doing, I was I was going down like this all the way. And if a workout person will tell you, if this is not low enough. It has to be like you're behind lower than your knees. So I'm doing this, I'm like, it's no problem. My third set, I get down here, and I can't get up. I start rocking. I'm thinking, oh, God. And I, there's a mirror in front of me, big, long mirror. And this is why they put them there. I look over, and I see a dude I don't know. He looks at me and sees the desperation in my eyes. And he comes over, and he helps me lift it up. I don't even know his name. But I was working out alone, and I couldn't, I couldn't do what I needed to do. I couldn't get back up. Some of you are there. You're doing life alone, and a trial hits your life, and you are stuck. It hurts so bad, and you're not sure, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to make it? I'm telling you, you need a small group of people that you can look at, and sometimes in relationship, it doesn't take much. I could just see it in your eyes. How are you doing today? I'm fine, and you? You're lying. <laughs> Let's go out for coffee. We're going to talk about this. I'm here for you. I got you. It's crazy because when you, have, when you have a spotter, you'll lift more than you could by yourself because they're yelling in your ear, come on, you got this, three more, three more, you got this, two more, two more, one more, lift that thing. Oh, you need some help. I got you, I got you, I got you. I'm here. How many people do life alone? And they fall down and they just stay down. You need some friends in your ear telling you, get back up. This is not the time to divorce. This is not the time to kick your kid out. This is not the time to take your life. This is not the time to go to the club. This is not the time to smoke that, put that in your system, to drink that. Let's go back to small group. Let's go over the notes from Sunday. You can make this. Come on, I've been where you've been. We're going to get out of this together, me and you. You need a spotter. And if you don't need a spotter right now, you need to spot somebody else. Look for people. I go to church conferences and I look for the most depressed pastors in the whole place. I get their card, we send them a gift card, we call them, hey, what can I do for you? Like, don't just, I don't go to the church conferences just for me. I know there's some pastors that are about to quit. And if they don't have somebody else speaking into their life, so many pastors are so lonely. Not just pastors, people in churches. Come to church, come in, file in, sit theater style, listen to the talking head and leave, and never make a relationship. Small groups are where that takes place. You need a spotter. Number four, God's developing you to reach more people. He's developing you to reach more people. Ephesians 4:16 says, "For him, the whole body, for him, Jesus. The whole body, from him, sorry, the whole body, meaning the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up. How? In love, as each part does its work. Our job is to build up the body of Christ, the church. So let me ask you, where are you building? Who are you building? Interesting, because we have a lot of bodybuilders in our church. And a lot of them compete. And they're always coming up to me you know, asking for advice. I'm like, whatever. So, <laughs> Some of you are like, I know that. That ain't the truth. So we got a lot of bodybuilders and a lot of people that work out. And it's always interesting. Bodybuilding is a, it's an incredible sport. It's hard. Man. To shred and the, what they're eating and working out and all that stuff. But in that sport, they get a lot of muscle to come up on a stage and do this. And I'm thinking, you got all that muscle? Don't don't just flex. Come over to my house and move a couch. Like, put those muscles to work. Let's lift something. I love our bodybuilders. They're great. But my point is this. This isn't just for you to look good. Everything God develops in you is so that you can now develop other people. Develop them. Build up the body of Christ with your gifts, with your love, with your prayer, with your serving, with your giving, with your being there. Build somebody. Who are you currently building? If you can't name a few people, there's a problem. Find out. if somebody building you? If not, you need to get in a small group and find a spotter. Philippians 1:19 says this, Paul is writing he's going through some stuff. We're not by the way, Paul who's writing he's not a guy who just had it easy. He was beaten with rods, he was whipped like Jesus was, thrown in prison just for preaching about Jesus. All this stuff is going on. Stone one time and they left him for dead. So it's not like he's up in his penthouse sipping a pina colada like, "Hey guys, take it easy when you go through hardships." He knows from firsthand experience. And he would never have been the man of God God called him to be had he not gone through some stuff and passed the test. He writes this, for I know, I know, I know. A lot of what he writes is like, you should know, I know, I know. If you don't know this stuff, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer. Watch this, watch this and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Okay, look at me, everybody. For some of you, you're so dry. You're going through this test alone. It's rough. I'm not making light of what you're walking through, but you need a fresh supply of the Spirit of Jesus. You need, you need a fresh touch from God. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song out in just a second. I want you to sing it as a prayer. We're not going to focus on the problem. We're going to focus on Jesus. Maybe we've strayed away. Maybe we've maybe we've taken the reins or the controls of the steering wheel and said, God, I got this, I got this. And we end up somewhere where we never thought we'd end up. With your heads bowed, I wonder could we just sing this out together and make this our prayer? I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Yeah. It's all about you. Come on, tell him. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry. Sorry, Lord, for the things I've made. When it's all about you, that's it. It's all about you. Come on, let's lift that up again. I'm coming back to the heart of the When it's all about you. you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the things I've made when it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm coming back to the heart of worship Where it's, all about, it's you. all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the things I've made it, but it's all about you Come on lift it up one more time every all voice you, yes. I'm coming back to the heart of worship it's all about you Yes it is Oh Jesus. Jesus I'm sorry Lord I've made it it's all about you it's all about you Jesus come on just the voices I'm coming back to the heart of worship
1: where it's all
0: about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the things I've made it It's all about you. Mm -hmm. It's all about you, Jesus. Yeah. Maybe you're here today. You're walking through a test. Seems like it's been going on for a long time. You feel like you've almost ran out of strength. You are not alone. God is with you. Church is with you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just kind of lift your hands like this an attitude of res- receiving. God, I'd pray for every single person here that's walking through a test. It's too much for us to handle alone. Psalm fifty-five twenty-two 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. We are asking you for sustaining grace. Help us lift what we cannot. I love you, Jesus. I thank you that we're not going to stay here which you're producing in something inside of us, endurance and perseverance to finish the race. and to have a story that we are now going to turn around one day and speak life into an- another person who is going through the same thing and say, "Listen, girl, if you made it, if I made it through this, so can you. God's going to do the same in you. Listen, son, if God could do something in my life so powerful He could do it in you and encourage other people. We need you, God, and we thank you. That even though we walk through the valley, you are there. We love you, we love you, we love you. If you're here and you say, Sean, my life isn't right with God, but I need it to be. I've never given the controls of my life to him, or I've never, or I once did, but I've strayed. I'm not as close as I once was, but I need my life to get right with God. I want to lead you in a commitment prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if if you say, Sean, count me in that prayer when you pray it, could you just raise your hand, right? We are. This is me. Come on, this. Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's great. Lots of hands. Okay, I'm going to give you the words to say to help you out, and we're all going to pray it together so you don't stand out. Just pray this to the heart of God. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, right where I am. Today, I give you my life. I surrender the controls. Forgive me from my sin. For going my own way. Wash me clean. And today, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. I place my faith in you for salvation. I'm yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, somebody say a good amen. Come on, can we clap our hands for everybody who prayed that prayer and to Jesus who hears it. can grab your seats just for a second. You know what we just did in in that, you know, two minute segment of a song you can do by yourself. Crank some worship music on in your car, in traffic. Some of y'all need to listen to it in traffic. Maybe at home, maybe at the gym even. I could tell this one lady at the gym, she listens to worship music because she's on the elliptical machine. She's like, she didn't care who's around. She's like. I'm like, that's worship music. I can tell. I'm not saying do that. But there are moments where you need to magnify and see God for who he is and how much bigger he is than your problem.